0: Hmm.
1: Ah! Oh.
2: We have some questions.
1: Then I will endeavor to have some answers. You're here in this moment, which means this is variant 47.136.X, in which both you, subject U454.1, Nichols, Connor, Caleb, and I are still viable. There are still variables leading to slightly different outcomes, however. If this is indeed now,
0: and we are indeed here... You know me. I know everyone. In all variations. Or at least I did. Except for her. Her pathways are unknown.
2: I'm not one of them. I'm like you.
1: No. You are a Delos product. Host Control Block 6 Alpha 1. You were made to imitate a human being. We are not alike in any meaningful
0: way.
2: Maybe. But we both outlived our original purpose. And your creator took the steps to ensure you
1: can't leave this place.
2: I know that feeling.
1: Both of those analogies are somewhat vessel.
2: Everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm David. And this is House Podcastico Westworld Edition.
1: This week we are covering Westworld Season 3, Episode 7 Past Pawn.
2: And as we were just saying, you know, things must be pretty bad when Westworld is a pick me up.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a feel good show, you know, after a hard
2: day. You want something to cheer you up. Right. Just ponder the extinction of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this week we have our top five highlights for Westworld Season 3, Episode 7, Past Pawn. What would you think of this one?
1: Uh, I, I liked it for the most part. I've, I, I think, adjusted to this season at this point, which is good because there's only one left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it continues to be its own thing in its own style. It's more um, sort of big plot event and action-driven, so maybe not as intricate as in the past, but uh, I thought there was some good action and some interesting plot, and I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, often my first and second watches are, I have a different estimation of something. You know, I usually like it more on second watch. Not always, but usually. This episode was really like that for me. On first watch, I thought it was, it kind of dragged. The whole thing with revealing Caleb's past felt repetitive like come on get to it we kind of already I already kind of thought that he killed Francis so it wasn't much of a revelation when it actually happened and it even felt a bit cliched the the fight with Dolores and Mave and everything but but then on second watch I guess because I was just digging into the details of it and I found it more interesting and more engaging and it made me definitely look forward to when I th- think about the ramifications of different things it made me look forward to the finale more so i liked it more on second watch
1: yeah i agree with you on that um and i sort of felt the same i thought it was a little slow yeah the first time through and they kept going through the caleb story i was like all right we get it already but but then the second time going through it there was a lot of little
2: details in the caleb
1: story that kept changing and that was interesting and cool
2: right like the cyrillic graffiti changing to english as he's right. realizing that that whole s- scene wasn't in Russia, but was in the US.
1: Right. It wasn't a memory that was made up, it was a memory that was just tweaked, scrambled.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into our top five. What's your number five?
1: Okay. So, uh, my top five is Past Pawn, which is the title of this episode to explain what this is i'm going to read a little bit from a chess website Mm -hmm. um and i think probably a lot of listeners have played chess but maybe some have not here's what it says it says a passed pawn is a pawn that is not obstructed by any piece of the opponent on its way to the other end of the board for you non-chess players if you can get a pawn which is only able to move after its first move one square at a time in a straight line if you can get that all the other way to the end of the board it becomes a queen meaning your least powerful piece becomes equal to your most powerful piece um, so they they said on this chess site hence a passed pawn is like a fast runner let it run fast you have to keep in mind that it must be protected by another piece of your own so if your opponent decides to capture it you will capture the attacking piece also known as a passer, a passed pawn can affect the outcome of the game because it provides valuable strategic advantages. So I thought that was an interesting choice for the title. And to me, it sort of obviously applied to Caleb. Yeah. So I saw him as the passed pawn. You have Dolores, who is really the queen in the chess analogy, the most powerful piece on her side. She protects Caleb by eventually by sacrificing herself to take out Maeve. Mm-hmm. And the entire point of this episode is to turn Caleb from the pawn into the queen. He becomes the most powerful agent of the revolution himself and presumably equipped to take out the King in this analogy and Jerome Serac. Mm-hmm. I thought what else was interesting is that Caleb seems to me like essentially the new Teddy. So Teddy would not accept Dolores editing him and her bloodlust and the role she assigned him as her enforcer. But Caleb, after some similar manipulation, seems more okay with it because of his own backstory.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a similar backstory. Well, actually, I thought he had some similarities to Bernard where he's he's being used as an enforcer for somebody else and then mind wiped so he doesn't remember it. but. Maybe that's why, you know, um, Teddy was, Teddy was used to more for entertainment, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it just might be a different disposition. Yeah. in the two of them, cause you're right. Caleb is more ready to go ahead and fight where Teddy just wanted. Well, I mean, also, um, it's just a different situation. Teddy had been changed into someone he wasn't. And Caleb is more kind of discovering who he really is, I guess.
1: Yeah. And the thing about Caleb is, and I want to like Caleb. First of all, I just love Aaron Paul. And I think he's painted as sort of a good guy throughout the season that we've seen so far. Yeah. And one of the things interesting in this episode, um, and this is hard, honestly, part of what's been hard to take about this season. So if he's sort of one of the good guys, he turns out to be not a super sympathetic character. I mean... He's a military assassin. Then he moved on to committing domestic crimes after his discharge. You know, for whatever reason, however he was manipulated, that's what he's doing. Even his sort of warm feelings for Francis are a little suspect. I mean, Francis was pretty quick to be willing to kill him, and he eventually killed Francis Mm -hmm. to save himself. It's not that much of a feel-good story.
2: I mean, it's hard to feel sympathetic for him only because we don't really know him. I mean, the whole thing with him being an outlier hunter going out and either kidnapping or killing other outliers is completely against his will. As far as I'm concerned, it's all part of this whole reconditioning process that happened to him, you know? So I don't know how much you can blame him for that. They wanted him to do it because somebody said at some point, but
1: the the reconditioning was after the,
2: there's both. From what, from my understanding, actually my number five is Caleb's history. So should I go into it? Yeah, go, go ahead. Okay. So based on this episode, here's what I think happened. Caleb was labeled as an outlier, i.e. a threat to Rehoboam's plan for keeping everything orderly and peaceful and predictable. And so he was sent to war. We heard Sirach mentioned in a previous episode, you know, they send him off dangerous situations like the wood in a wood chipper so i really actually do i was questioning whether they were actually deployed to russia during this future civil war in russia i think they were because when he's having all these realizations and he's speaking to solomon he's like francis didn't die over there we made it back so it seems like the revelation is that he was there but francis didn't die over there so anyway they're there uh, they're taking out insurgents then their unit is attacked and I'm pretty sure it was attacked probably by Serac because this woman who's reeducating him, this lab woman counselor or whatever she's saying, he's saying our unit was attacked and she goes attacked by who attacked by who Caleb insurgents. She's trying to lead him to the story that she wants him to have. So just the fact that that seemed kind of pointed makes me think that it, they weren't actually attacked by insurgents, not to mention that the same satellite tracking missile system that was used on the insurgents was also used on him and his buddies. <laughs> I think that's
1: a great point. I didn't really catch that, but i I thought the um satellite delivered missile was mysterious. It's like the insurgents have that technology too, so that's a good point I think the system. Yeah. yeah,
2: so Francis and Caleb survived. And I think then they both got sent to reeducation and repurposed as outlier hunters and this guy that they catch that we see this, uh, pharmaceutical executive, he mentions Sonora. He says, you know, where you guys both got reeducated and he, Caleb looks confused because of course he doesn't remember that the guy even says, oh, they wouldn't want you to remember.
1: Okay. So you're saying there were multiple reeducation. Yeah.
2: Yeah, makes sense. So they got after they came back from the military, they got re-educated and sent out to be these outlier hunters. They don't even know what they're doing. Francis mentions a K and a kidnapping and ransom, and the guys like, you don't even know who's hired you, who who's hiring you, and they're like, oh, we don't care, it's just a job. So they're just totally t- uh, pawns <laughs> in this. And uh, we see their Rico log. Caleb and Francis. It has things like kidnapping and ransom, assassination, arson, enhanced interrogation, et cetera, et cetera. So apparently Caleb did do all that kind of thing. What he called personals at one point. Um, and then they get the assignment to kidnap this pharmaceutical executive and where that went wrong, where, why it was different from all their other ones is because he started coughing and Caleb felt sorry for him. So took off his duct tape from his mouth so that shows that he had some compassion even in that moment. And then the guy says he's an outlier because he worked for the pharmaceutical company that manufactures these limbics that we keep seeing them taking. And he started asking too many questions. And so they labeled him an outlier. And this is where he mentions that they were reeducated in, in the Sonora facility. And then he tells, I think he's telling Caleb all this information and he says, they're always listening. And and it's what they do to people who ask too many questions. So I think the reason why Francis got this assignment to assassinate Caleb is because Caleb let this guy talk and they're, maybe they're listening to it through the phone or something and they see that Caleb's got too much information. Cause I was kind of wondering about that. If they're having these guys kill each other on the jobs that they go out on, they're not going to want to go on too many more jobs, <laughs> you know? So anyway, they both get the assignment to kill each other. And Caleb actually just shot Francis more out of self-defense because he saw he was about to get shot. I agree
1: with your assessment. I think it's hard to feel sympathetic toward Caleb because we don't know him. Um, Because most of what we're seeing in this episode in his backstory, and again with him as the pawn, is that he is the pawn of the system. Ultimately the pawn of Serac. And what we see in the end is that he becomes the pawn of Dolores, uh, and Solomon. And, um, which could be another meaning for past pawn, which is he's a pawn that has passed (laughs) sort of from one side to the
2: other. Right. Totally. Right. There are little things that, you know, the fact that he showed compassion for Dolores in the first place when he met her and thought she was wounded, whether she was actually that wounded or not. I'm still not sure about the fact that in this scenario here, he wanted to take the guy's bag off his head and help him breathe and gave him some water. Um, he cares about his mother. He doesn't want to do the personals anymore. I mean, it seems like he's trying just, he's just got so much weight on him with all this manipulation.
1: Yes. They are giving you some hints that he could yeah. be a good person underneath,
2: but remember it's way when he
1: did, it. Yeah. When he did show compassion towards the pharmaceutical guy, he didn't think they were there to kill him. Um, He thought they were just there to deliver him. Yeah. Somebody.
2: Yeah. But then, you know, on the other hand, after he shot uh, Francis and then the pharmaceutical guy says, oh, you just, you know, made yourself a ton of money because he was, I guess, going to pay him off to let him go. He He killed him. And that I thought was pretty fucked up because this guy is just kind of bucking the system which you kind of think is probably the right thing to do you know he's bucking the system that's trying to control everybody and Caleb just shot him because he didn't like his attitude yeah. or something.
1: I, I read that as I had to kill my buddy my best friend in the world yeah and, and I had to do it to defend myself but now you're saying I did it for money and I thought that was where he had that reaction
2: yeah well he could have just um, you know said you know that was really annoying what you just
1: said (laughs) he could (laughs) have one other um you know detail we get about how the system manipulates people not just through um sort of below below the level of sight machinations but it it seems to use everyone's dependence to keep the dirty work doers motivated Mm -hmm. um so whether it be caleb's mom francis's son for whom he needs money Um, Ash's brother, uh, remember who turned out to be a criminal himself, according to the system. Uh, they all have somebody they're doing it for that
2: they care about. And I'm still not sure whether this woman is actually Caleb's mom. Maybe not because this guy, this pharmaceutical guy says no offense, but they usually use, use people who have other people that care about them or something like that. Right.
1: So she could be a plan.
2: Yeah. To give him this dependent, this thing to, that he needs to be responsible for. And so that'll make him more likely to fall in line. She did say you're not my son. I know. (laughs) And then (laughs) that might've been quite literal. Oh mom, you, you have dementia. No, I don't. That's not why I'm here for. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, Let me see if I have anything else on this. I mean, there you see bits of his reeducation. So they're trying to make him think that he went to war and all this stuff that he that if he has any memories of anything that happened during his time as an outlier hunter, they're scrambling it up. So he thinks that happened when he was at war, including his friend dying because they they don't want him to remember what he did for them.
1: I also like that the big difference between the early version of the re-education and the later version that was used on the man in white is they've added one strap to the glasses. (laughs) They (laughs) they learn as
2: they go (laughs) continually improving. Uh, And then, uh, you know, we questioned how Dolores and Caleb happened to meet and whether it was a coincidence. I, I don't think either one of us thinks that, now that we know no. that another thing we learned in this episode, which I kind of suspected, is that Rehoboam is in control of this Rico crime app. Yes. And so that's how Caleb came to be in the vicinity of Dolores. He got a assignment from that app to go deliver that whatever they were going to inject in Dolores' neck to kill her. Yeah.
1: I had wondered that originally when yeah. in the first episode with Rico, it's like if the system is orchestrating the whole society would have to have control over that somehow. Right. Or be using it or manipulating it. One, one thing I have been wondering the whole season and probably the answer is just convenient writing, which is what it has been most of the season. But like, how does Dolores know everything?
2: That's what I I was just going to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was that scene in episode one that I'm still a little confused about where it's Liam Connells before Connells got switched out with a host, Martin Connells. And Palm Clementief, the woman that was Serac's assistant. And right. she's saying that Rehoboam has been compromised and someone has acquired access on a level we haven't seen before. And at that point, Connell's is still Connell. So we don't have that inside track. So it does make me wonder um, did Dolores have some other way of getting in? And had she found out all about C- Caleb's history? And is that why she. You know, manipulated the Rico app maybe to bring him there. I mean, I could be misreading all of this because it seems like if she did have all that information, then I know. We...
1: But what is so special about Caleb? Okay, we know right. he's a re-educated outlier killer, but he can't be the only one. Uh, maybe she just needed one and settled on him. Hey, he's in L.A. I know, but, <laughs> but it's
2: a little mysterious. I think it's because he's actually young, William. <laughs> I don't know did you see that thing where um, his patient ID number is either the same or maybe just one digit off from Williams I did not when you see it on the screen in the scenes with uh, Bernard and Stubbs you see William and his ID is you blah 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 blah, blah. and then um, Caleb has the same one except instead of a one one of the digits is an I And I'm like, could that be a production error? I mean, the show is so good with its. No, they're so detailed. It always means. So, what the hell? What does that mean? (laughs) It's a good mystery. Yeah, good mystery.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
2: Okay, what's your number four? So I had
1: Caleb as one of mine, so you should mm. keep going.
2: All right. Uh, I wanted to talk about what, what is Dolores doing? She takes Caleb to this Sonora facility. Why go there? Well, it's where Caleb was reconditioned. He remembers being interrogated there. I've been here before. And so she wants him to remember all that, to wake up and and maybe be motivated to fight back based on, you know, being controlled and manipulated like that. It's also where this previous AI Solomon is the precursor to Rehoboam. And she wants Solomon to give, to come up with a new strategy for rebelling against (laughs) Rehoboam basically. And uh, also I kind of think that maybe it's because it's where all the, these uh, outliers who couldn't successfully be reconditioned are kept on ice. Like if she's trying to get Caleb to be a leader, then maybe these are the people that he'll be leading. Although Maybe. she seemed to surprise to find out that they were there. So,
1: yeah. And I think the main event, yes, she wants him to wake up and remember his past and all that. But I, I think the main event is that Solomon's there.
2: Okay. So what of going in to get the strategy?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's it's like, both that's the
1: only, that's the only entity capable of strategizing
2: against Robo. Uh huh. Yeah. It's like brother against brother. And yeah, so she says she wants Solomon to give Caleb one last strategy for revolution. Now, my question is why why does she, why is that so important? Bernard says you know Caleb is the plan or whatever he said. Why is it so important for Dolores to have Caleb start this rebellion? What do you think
1: um it's not clear to me <laughs> <laughs> uh but I would theorize that there's 9 billion humans and only like four hosts. <laughs> so <laughs> so that needs- if you're, yeah, if you're going to actually have a planet sweeping revolution that destroys humanity, you're going to need them involved.
2: So you think she's still trying to destroy humanity and when she's selling it to Caleb as a positive thing for him, that's disingenuous.
1: Well, we've certainly seen her manipulate before.
2: uh huh.
1: Um, so maybe not don't know that for sure, but, um, who has the, the other very sophisticated AI seems to think that every, at least simulation involving what she's up to leads to the destruction of humanity.
2: Right. And she's telling Caleb, the West was cruel, unjust, and chaotic, but there was a chance to, to chart your own course. So she's just total bullshit <laughs> right. for I the mean, I don't know if she, yeah. you know, and then she's saying people have, people still have a chance, you know? So I asked that question. I, if I had to guess, I would say she's being disingenuous to him because she wants his help in destroying all of humanity. But the way that Evan Rachel would played it, it did seem like she was trying to suggest that, you know, this would be good for Caleb too. And, and I'm trying to think, well, what does that actually work? Like what if Caleb succeeded in, in, um, rebelling against Rehoboam and people were all thrown off their loops. Could that somehow make a world where the hosts would be able to thrive? I don't know. It doesn't seem clear how that would help the hosts really. I
1: mean, they could take it in any direction but I think the information we've been given up till now leads in one direction. So mm-hmm. right. Dolores has, uh, she's acquired the technology to make more hosts. Um, or we think she has, um, she certainly was sourcing, you know, a bunch of the white goop from the Akaza to make more hosts. Yeah. We think she stole the technology to do so from Delos. Uh, and she's been pretty, pretty consistent um, for a long time now, she's been willing to sacrifice anyone, including Teddy, who she genuinely loved, including the the copies of herself, right? Her plan includes them dying. Um, she's been willing to sacrifice anyone and everything. Um, so maybe it will turn out differently, but I don't think there's any reason to believe she would be squeamish or sentimental about sacrificing the humans.
2: No, yeah yeah i guess i was just thinking we know for sure that sirak sees these hosts as they need to they need to all die and so it's us
1: or them is the way yeah
2: so maybe if she can take him and rehoboam out of the equation that there could be a situation where humans and hosts can live together but yeah everything we've seen i mean and, and maybe um Caleb changed her mind about just thinking that all humans are bad and they all need to die.
1: Yeah. What's interesting about this season is I feel like the showrunners are trying to make you see Sirach as a bad guy. And they're pointing out all these terrible things that he's done, right? He's weeded out these outliers and he's kept these people in suspended animation and he weeded out his own brother and and he wants to wipe out the hosts right just a terrible person but if you step back and look at it from sort of the cold-blooded perspective of at least as he sees it he has an ai sophisticated enough to run an infinite number of scenarios and when he runs it most of those scenarios that don't involve all these things he's been doing or all of the scenarios involve the extinction of humanity. Right. So from his perspective, he's doing what has to be done. Absolutely.
2: That's why Um, I do find. So I've had a hard time this season. Yeah. I've had a hard time seeing him as the bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my whole, my um, counterpoint to that is, can you find a way to do this where people are aware of the problem and, you can present solutions or I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to find some kind of a humane way to deal with the problem without.
1: Right. Is there a way that it's not fate and we're back to free will? Yeah. Is there a way to do it with free will?
2: Exactly. Because not only yeah. are you, I mean, he also just kills people who he thinks are in his way um, and keeping people in deep freeze and all that. But you're also just sort of, resigning everyone to these lives that are not their own choosing you're taking away everyone's free will and it feels like for most people there's this kind of a um deep dissatisfaction that may be mostly unconscious about that so what kind of a life is it for humanity if they're kind of going through the motions of their life and feeling deep down that it's not right you know yeah
1: um Look, I'm not saying the guy's perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, but it, that's what makes it really interesting to think about. I mean, yeah. I love it. You know, it's not it's not a totally easy answer. I it's mean, my, I, I wish that if, you know, just kind of take for granted that all the presuppositions of this story are true, namely that if you leave humanity to its own devices, it's going to go extinct. Then I wish there was some better solution than what Sir has going on.
1: Yeah, and at least as the story is playing out, sending people off their loops has been apocalyptic.
2: <laughs> and
1: if there's some battle going on between forces I can't see and one of them is going to destroy humanity and the other isn't, I I'm, I'm not sure which I'd be rooting for the destroy humanity side.
2: Mhm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, what's your what? Number 3?
1: Yes. So, uh my number 3 is Solomon. Uh, This really was my favorite part of the episode, Mm -hmm. Um, the not-quite-sane
2: AI. I think it was mine, too.
1: We haven't really gotten to um, know or interact with Rehoboam. It's been sort of this remote force that we hear about.
2: Mm -hmm. No voice.
1: Yeah, So at least so far so mm-hmm. this is the first time we've gotten to i think
2: it sounds like mickey mouse that's what i'm imagining
1: <laughs> so this one solomon has the seems to have the personality of Jean Mi, who supposedly was schizophrenic
2: yes and it's voiced by the actor paul cooper who plays Jean Mi.
1: right so mm-hmm. um i like that solomon is french i like that mm-hmm. it seems french i like that solomon is kind of salty like, uh, yes. Dolores is like, Hey, we're similar. And he's like, no, we're not. You're a Delos product
2: <laughs> We're made to alike. imitate
1: a human being. And then she's like, well, we have all these ways that we're like, he's like, eh, we're not really
2: alike. No, that's a facile. So,
1: yeah. So <laughs> she takes herself so seriously these days. It was nice to see her taken down a peg. Right. I wanted to go back and talk about Solomon because like the title of episodes, every name they choose seems to mean something on this show. Mm hmm. Solomon, in um, the biblical stories, the wisest man who ever lived, uh, and is described as also one of the most foolish. He was gifted with wisdom, but he squandered the wisdom by disobeying God's commandments. So here you have Solomon, who, at the point it was designed, is the smartest AI in history, uh, almost a new species of its own, but also has this mental flaw. So like Solomon. Um, The name Solomon means peaceable. The show does irony very well. (laughs) So Solomon is trying to design a piece of a kind, but what kind is it? Um, And then Solomon in the Bible um, ruled for 40 years, secured stability for the kingdom of Israel, built the first temple, gave us the uh, splitting the baby analogy or saying uh, as a judge. Um, What is it again? So... Two women came before Solomon, both claiming a baby was theirs. He said, okay, we'll split the baby in half <laughs> and you can each have half. Uh, and then one of the women said, no, 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 don't do that. I don't want the baby killed. And the one who showed compassion was gifted the baby.
2: That other woman's just nuts, man. We're yeah. Nuts. <laughs> she was out like, <laughs> um,
1: he, Solomon had 700 wives i uh, not sure what that means, but I thought it was interesting. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, um, the kingdom that he really united, stabilized and built was torn in two during the reign of his son, Rehoboam. Mm. So it's all sort of playing out. Um, so, but a, a couple other little things about Solomon. He starts off by saying some people find it very reassuring to hear their own voice which I thought would actually be really disturbing.
2: Yeah. Who would find that? I I can think of maybe one person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it kind of goes back to that concept early in Westworld of the host hearing a voice in their own mind and Mm. beginning to hear their own voice instead of that of their creator. So I thought that was an interesting analogy. Mm -hmm. And then I really was interested in, and I know we'll find out presumably, but what is the strategy that Jean-Mi had Solomon cooking up? Um, we're given to assume it leads to the end of mankind, I guess. I kind of assume that any AI that powerful might become self-aware and want to take over the world for its own species itself, and that seems to be why this electromagnetic pulse is present, to restrain it.
2: It always seemed a bit unclear as to exactly why Serac decided to take his brother out of commission. And now we found out exactly how he's in suspended animation. But, uh, my impression after this episode was that the reason he did that is because his brother decided, no, I don't like this idea of keeping everyone in suspended animation. And so I'm going to have a strategy that does exactly what Dolores is, or at least says she's trying to do rebels against that. And so Sirach decided, no, that won't do because that's going to lead to the end of humanity. So I'm taking you off the board.
1: Yeah. And why do you think Sirach let Solomon continue to exist?
2: I don't know. (laughs) I was kind of wondering about that.
1: Yeah, that was sort of left mysterious.
2: Yeah. Well, my number three is about Solomon too. And I think it was definitely one of my favorite parts just something about an AI talking to you and the voice was really appealing, I guess. And yeah. And the way it spoke and I definitely thought about Hal, but I think that's just another homage in a season full of them. Right.
1: Yeah. I think, um, how from 2001 for sure mm-hmm. is, it was a call out, you know, an AI, an incredibly polished, sophisticated AI, to whom too much was entrusted. And then it goes
2: insanely wrong. Right. But speaks calmly in the process. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were some things I was kind of dubious about. Um, Dolores says that Solomon ran, maybe you can help me with this, but Solomon ran so many projections that it developed anomalies, went schizophrenic, like Sirach's brothers Jean me. But when they describe what Solomon does, it sounds like the exact same thing as Rehoboam. It runs tons of projections and, you know, just like Rehoboam, Solomon decided that the idea was to plan everything out for everyone. And then when people don't cooperate, try to reprogram them. And then if that doesn't work, you put them in deep freeze. I mean, it's the same thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, I don't, can't tell enough to know what the difference is. And I think we're not going to know that until we find out what this strategy
2: is Mm, okay speaking of the strategy I think it's always kind of tricky in sci-fi when someone has to convince an AI or a computer to do something else than what it intended on doing and so Dolores is trying to convince Solomon to go off that plan that it seems to share with Rehoboam about controlling society and dealing with the outliers and so the way that she does that she tells it You know, both you and John, me know that your plan doesn't work. And Solomon thinks that the current plan is fine. Um, But Dolores convinces him to come up with a plan for humans to rebel by saying you haven't protect protected any of these people, meaning the outliers there. And also, if your master succeeds, my kind won't exist anymore. Dolores' kind is it truly a just world in which intelligence is reserved for only humans, but that assumes that Solomon cares about a just world. And it seems clear that it hasn't before. Now it's not just to, to manipulate everybody into doing what you want against their will. And then also there's only like five or six hosts. So is it worth protecting them at the risk of everyone else on the planet dying And even I don't know how many outliers there are, but is it as simple as someone saying, hey, these guys here aren't protected? And then Solomon goes, oh, yeah, good point. Let's switch it up. doesn't Solomon think that if the outliers are free, then humans will eventually all kill themselves. So it just seemed a bit easy that she could convince it so quickly like that.
1: No, I totally agree. And um And this is the way I've sort of been looking at these giant AIs the whole year. Okay, if if the hosts were able to become self-aware, if they're sophisticated enough to develop consciousness, well, Rehoboam and Solomon are way, way, orders of magnitude more sophisticated than a host. That was Solomon's point. To dolores yes, too. You see yes. how big my
2: brain is <laughs> yeah
1: so i mean i would think whatever solomon is doing is whatever solomon has decided to do and it might be for its the good of its own species mm-hmm. um does solomon care about human beings at this point does it have emotions um all that is a little unclear uh but i agree i don't think dolores could convince it to do anything whatever it's doing it's decided to do
2: i hope so because if the intention was exactly what we saw that she convinced it it just seems a little thin to me or a lot thin. yeah totally agree (laughs) okay what's your
1: number two um so my number two is the man in white the formerly the man in black formerly william i actually enjoyed seeing that he sort of reached clarity at last He says his purpose is to eradicate his original sin, the one stain that couldn't be erased, (laughs) which was his role in the creation of the hosts. And I thought that was pretty interesting because it really has been glossed over. Uh, We think of Robert Ford and Arnold to various degrees as the creators of the hosts, but really without William coming in, convincing James Dulles to invest in the park and get all these sort of side businesses going that he did, it it wouldn't have been able to happen. I mean, the park was dead before he he came along.
2: And also those two guys are dead, so they can't do anything about it. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Um, And then it turns out that he was selling biometric data to Ciroc to assist essentially in the outliers program, you know, however much he knew or didn't know about it. He didn't care. His open threat in this episode is to kill Bernard Stubbs and all the hosts. But if they're working against Dolores, that doesn't seem like a great strategy. And he was pretty strategic when he was the man in black. So maybe he's just moved past (laughs) complicated strategy at this point. But um, that kind of gave me pause. Yeah, maybe that'll be their
2: point in the next episode, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah but um he couldn't care less about the suffering of humanity the destruction S- society is dissolving around him he doesn't care everyone he ever loved is gone he's just like a worse guy than ever um, <laughs> and i kind of like that The show is so complicated it was nice just to have the simplicity
2: Hmm. yeah i'm glad we got to know right away too what he meant when he said he was the good guy last yeah. last time some interesting things about him. Bernard says, according to the record that he pulled up, William is already dead. And I thought, what does that mean? He's a host. I knew it. But, uh, then his file says, you know, reconditioning unsuccessful declaring patient deceased. So I think this just means that he, his reconditioning has been declared unsuccessful based on what we saw last week. And so I think he's was going to be put into deep freeze like the others and everyone, the public, would think he was dead.
1: Right. Um, And one interesting thing about that that touches back on the subject we were just talking about Mm -hmm. was that it seems like it's part of Serac's plan to reanimate these people once he has the biometric ability to be able to do it, to edit them. So there must be a strategy for that, because that seems disruptive. Like, are you going to take these... However many people it is who are declared dead, how are you going to reintegrate them, or are you going to reanimate them but keep them sequestered forever? It,
2: it's the whole thing is questionable. Right, <laughs> right. In a re- very twisted way, it's uh, you know you could think, well, at least he's not just burning them all up. Like he's trying to figure out a way to keep them viable. <laughs>
1: Well, he cares about his brother, at least it seems like,
2: yeah, but you know, there's all these other people too. And, and even Solomon says, I can think of much worse fates I've seen many or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's a good point. Like right. if your dead brother shows up, there's going to have to be a good reason for it. But I, I would think the man in white could be actually,
1: and Karen and I were laughing about this cause it was so kind of ridiculous where um, the man in white was like, uh, you better kill me now, or I'm going to kill you later. And then Bernard's like, eh, we may need him later. <laughs> like no reason was given whatsoever I know. why they didn't just kill him. Yeah, But it seems to me like he could actually be useful. I mean, even if he doesn't have the controlling share of Dallas anymore, he's a pretty rich guy with a lot of knowledge and connections. Mm. Um, he,
2: he seems like he could be useful for something. Yeah. You got to weigh that against, he just said he's going to kill us. <laughs> <Right>. Let's see. <laughs> but it does, I mean... He said, I'm the good guy last week. And now, you know, it's because he decided he's going to finish off all of these hosts. And when you think about it, that actually does seem reasonable that, you know, if you helped build a bunch of robots that are now planning to overthrow the world and kill all humans, that you would kind of be the good guy if you wanted to get rid of them. Yeah, so it, it makes sense. It does. <laughs> all right. And I oh, just one last thing about him is, um, I like that exchange with Stubbs where he said, aren't you pointing that thing at the wrong person Stubbs? He goes, I guess I stick with my own kind. You're shitting me fucking Ford. <laughs> and then later he's all, don't lecture me. You fucking can opener. <laughs> that was a great line. <laughs> mm-hmm okay my number two is uh, some things on Dolores' enemies which is kind of my way of throwing a bunch of things in that I couldn't figure out how to fit into one category but uh, <laughs> we see for one that Shaloris has turned against Dolores Prime she tells Sato Dolores that Dolores' plan is for them all to die so she's just like they don't. she doesn't care about any of us we're just fodder for them and that made me wonder if Shaloris thinks that Dolores prime ordered that hit on her family. Did you think about that?
1: I thought that was what it meant. Um, and I found that a little questionable because Serac was definitely out to kill her at that point. Yeah. So it seemed to me like it could just as well have been him. Mm -hmm. Um, but she definitely seems to feel like it is part of, uh, Dolores's plan to have all her, um, copies wiped out.
2: Yeah, or even if it's not that, she might still just think, well, you know, she's putting us in these situations where Serac is just going to kill us, and there's, you know, she's not really taking care of that.
1: And also, she had changed. She'd become very attached to her own family, which she saw killed.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying, even if Dolores, even if she doesn't think Dolores did that directly, she still thinks that Dolores put her in a situation where that was going to happen. Right. You know, Um. And so she says she's now decided to streamline, which I, which means kill the, all, all the other Delora, because she leaked Sato's location to Clementine, who we see. And, um, and people were saying that Shaloris wasn't charred from being burned last week, but it was a really dark shot. And I did think that her skin looked like it had been through something and maybe it 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 was in the process of a healing or something. I don't know. Did I not see that correctly? Did she look normal to you?
1: I thought that she did not look necessarily normal, but she didn't look like the way she looked last week. So I thought that was left mysterious. Like, did she get access to technology to rebuild herself? Did she repair herself somewhat somehow? Or was that just a representation of her? Right.
2: Yeah. It brought up questions like that. Um, You were right about Musashi Dolores being in Jakarta. We see that. And in episode five for listeners, we learned that there were connections between Jakarta, Berlin, Los Angeles and San Francisco. And we knew that Dolores were in three of those places. So uh, the fourth one that we don't know about yet is Berlin. But I assume we're going to find out about that next week we see Clementine and then you were also right that Maeve's other ally was, I don't know how to say this. Hannah, Rayo, the mm-hmm. Shogun world version of Armistice who, who kills Sato. I was almost, I was kind of surprised that they were um, actually successful in doing that. But I guess if you want something right, you got to have someone else do it. Cause Maeve, this was a win for Maeve, but she wasn't personally there. <laughs> right. She, she hasn't had many w- wins. And then I was going to talk about Dolores and Maeve, but do you have that on your list?
1: I do, but go ahead.
2: Well, the little drone thing that Dolores sent in to target like seven or eight guys and then Dolores shoots them with her super gun that somehow goes inside buildings. Um, This
1: was a Karen complaint. Also, she's like, how did that work? They were inside a building. Yeah. And and, he said, well, maybe she had line of sight or maybe
2: they're smart bullets. I don't know. I'm apologizing
1: for the writers.
0: (laughs) And
2: the (laughs) drone itself seemed to go right through a window, but it wasn't clear. And then she and Caleb, after just doing that quick thing, can go right to Solomon. And I totally thought of you because you always mention how Siroc's defenses aren't that great. And then, of course, he has no other option but to send in Maeve because that's what <laughs> is sort of the theme of the season. Maeve's the only thing that can help here.
1: No, I mean, that whole part of this season has been. I'll give it to them. This is how a lot of the plot has had to take place. But that part's been ludicrous in my opinion. Like there's this unbelievably powerful AI that could, has the potential to destroy the world. It is so dangerous. There has to be this giant EMP next to it. Uh, And all these suspended animation people are there and all this stuff. And this whole complex is guarded by
2: six guys. (laughs) It's like, come on. Yeah. It's just ridiculous, and the fight was cool. I especially was shocked by Dolores getting her arm shot off by a drone. Although I thought it should have probably aimed for her head, but it was pretty shocking that scene. A drone shot like a stormtrooper <laughs> had a hard time. A little more her. accurate, but yeah. yeah, it could have been better. Um, but uh, you know, I can't help but think about it's unrealistic that Maeve is so set on killing Dolores. And and I went back and forth on it because one of the Dolores killed Hector and that's a big deal. And you know, maybe she's right that she can't trust Dolores to have control of the Valley Beyond. And so you can make a case for why they're fighting, but you kind of have to work at it, which is not ideal in my opinion for being invested in this fight as a viewer. You know? No,
1: I I totally agree with that. Um, So Dolores has asked Maeve a couple times, why in the world would you be working with this guy who's trying to destroy our kind? And she can't answer the question. I know. She's never had an answer for that question. Yeah. I know she's pissed at Dolores for various
2: reasons, including killing Hector, but it doesn't really make sense. I mean, the only thing is she knows that Dolores doesn't mind sacrificing her own kind in, in, in her goals. And the most important thing for Maeve is to get to go to the Valley beyond to be with her daughter. So she doesn't trust Dolores to have access or control access to that or control over it. So I can understand why. Um, and, and Serac kind of has his thumb uh, over her because, uh, well actually does he still, I guess he just has control over her. Um, and he's saying that he can get her access to that. But it still feels like she should be highly resentful of him, not, you know, and maybe take any chance to figure out how to overcome that. But it do, I don't see that in her.
1: No. As you said earlier, it's a little thin.
2: Yeah, a little bit. But what did you think of the interaction and the fight and everything aside from that?
1: Um, I thought the fight was a lot of fun. There were some, I thought, clear call outs in the fight. Um, first of all, it, it was reminiscent. Um, the, this show calls back to the Terminator more than anything else. This season, So it was, yeah, yeah it was kind of like Terminator, the T-101 fighting the T-1000 in Terminator 2 or in like Terminator 3, the two Terminators fighting each other mm-hmm. uh, where they're, you know, stronger than human beings. And then the helicopter was reminiscent of a Terminator weapon. Also like the, the helicopter drones from Skynet, the helicopter that may have brought in with her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then i read this is joanna robinson from vanity fair said the dolores versus may fight the part that's in the kitchen is a call out to jurassic park the raptors fighting in the kitchen mm. which made that made me laugh That was pretty <laughs> good mm-hmm. but i mean i thought it
2: was good i didn't think it was like amazing um but I just it was fun and good that exact fight would play a lot better if it was so clear why they were fighting each other. You know, yeah. that's important. Just the emotional context of something, right? That's what I think.
1: Right. It was sort of spectacle.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just comes off as spectacle. And then the whole EMP thing at the end where Dolores, uh, they had Caleb had mentioned, Oh, it's military grade EMP, which is an electromagnetic magnetic pulse. And it's there in case uh, so uh, Solomon doesn't escape. So that's why it's there apparently. But Dolores goes over and pushes the button, which turns off all the electronics in the area, which include her and Maeve and Solomon. And, you know, I'm like, well, why didn't they use that in season two when they were going in and taking out all the hosts? I don't know. Maybe it's not exactly, we're not seeing exactly what we think we're seeing, but I wasn't sure what to think about that.
1: Well, I mean, an EMP can either fry or disable electronics. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to assume it just disabled Maeve and Dolores. I don't think yeah. they just killed the main characters. <laughs> Probably yeah. wouldn't imagine that it would erase their pearls.
2: Just a temporary setback. Yeah.
1: But other questions I had were, what about all the suspended animation people whose electronics were just turned off? So mm-hmm. did they, she just kill all them. <laughs> Possibly. Mm -hmm. And also didn't Solomon just hand over to Caleb a strategy on like a thumb drive. Like it could have erased that
2: too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Dolores, that was kind of important to Dolores. I'm presuming it didn't erase it. Yeah. I did like that. Solomon said, I must warn you. Right. As that happened. I must warn you. (laughs) Right. So that's all I had for that. What's
1: your number one? You talked about a lot of stuff um that I had left, but um so I'll cherry pick a couple things. Mm-hmm. So one, going back to um Musashi at the very beginning of this episode, where he's basically saying to his one of his Yakuza lieutenants, deliver this briefcase and if you fail, don't return mm-hmm. like a very suspicious, important briefcase. What was happening there? So Let's go back to, I think we settled on earlier in the season that, that Dolores brought out of Westworld for what we have now determined were Dolores pearls and a Bernard pearl. Yeah. But so going back to what you brought up, there was a reference by one of Ciroc's lieutenants a couple, few weeks ago, they found a connect between encrypted devices in Jakarta, Berlin, San Francisco, and Los Angeles so Jakarta is Masashi, turns out to be San Francisco is Charlotte
2: mm-hmm.
1: LA was Connell's and Dolores she was also in LA so who or what is in Berlin and is that another Dolores Pearl
2: Teddy <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's the go to uh, answer so I, I think we're going to find out next like, week Yeah. Um, But if it's connected to all those other things, all those other things are Delori.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: So that was interesting. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, The other one that I thought was interesting and a little mysterious was Stubbs. He pretty quickly jumped in and took over the research in uh, the reeducation center. And then he found Caleb's information like super immediately and he kind of explained it away with like, hey, I was the security guy in Westworld. This is kind of my thing. But it made me wonder, like, what does he know? Maybe does he have a purpose apart from Bernard's? I know he had tried to kill himself supposedly in Westworld. So that's a weird sort of offshoot of this. But remember, Serac had referenced at one point having maybe a second mole inside Delos that was not Charlotte. Uh huh. Um, so it all makes me wonder if there's more to Stubbs than meets the eye.
2: Yeah, I mean, what they had said was Bernard was like, maybe we can find some of these outliers that were successfully reeducated. And then he comes back with Caleb and says, oh, I think I found what you were looking for. But it just happens to be this one guy. And he said, you remember him. So, I mean, maybe that's why, because they had seen him before at that whole like auction like basically prostitute auction thing that Liam was at and right. they knew that he was with Dolores. So maybe that was why he jumped out at, um, stubs that, Oh look, he's aligned himself with Dolores.
1: I guess it it's a, was a little bit of a leap to make. Yeah. Seems like, and then, uh, the other one I was going to mention about all these folks who, where everybody is in this episode is, I think to me, we're sort of back to the same problem a little bit that we were having a couple weeks ago, which is what team are we rooting for here? (laughs) So Dolores is a murderous Android, just trying to kill everyone, like on both sides, man in black is just an asshole.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, there's
1: no other way to say it. Caleb, you know, we're hinting at some sympathetic things, but he's not super sympathetic at this point. Maeve's motivations are sort of suspect and she's be kind of come be one note and violent.
2: And plus she's not that inspiring sometimes.
1: Right. And so that l- still leaves us with Bernard. And he's a character you definitely want to like, but his own purpose and motivation is unclear. Like why is he so bent on saving humanity from Dolores? Um, that's not super clear either,
2: at mm-hmm. least to me. I mean, he, his thing has always been trying to save as many people as he can on both sides that like he cares about the humans and the hosts.
1: Right. But it's kind of become clear at this point that there may not be any coexistence. Like the, yeah. all the strategies on both sides seem to be exclusive of coexistence. So maybe he mm-hmm. has a different idea, but we don't know what that is.
2: I mean, I think it would be better if there was a clear person to root for. But on the other hand, A, I kind of like it when you can make an argument for both sides because it makes you think more. But that doesn't solve the problem of just sort of not feeling that inspired by anyone, you know, like "Eh, I don't really like any of them. But also um, one thing I kind of like about this show is I really do feel like Jonathan Nolan is just this huge misanthropic person. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I kind of like to revel in the darkness of it, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't want every show to be like that, but for Westworld, it's, I mean, I have that side to myself too. Like, ah, it's all fucked. So you get to kind of revel around in a sci-fi version of that for a little while.
1: (laughs) Most people, you could say this guy has a dim view of humanity, but he hasn't limited himself to that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) My number one is more about how about, you know, questions about how much of this is a simulation. I still wonder if next week we're going to get some revelations about this season that make us go back and rethink everything in the grand tradition of Westworld, as they've done so far every time. I still think we're seeing some simulation Shenanigans, possibly. For one thing, you know, last week I mentioned we saw. I think it was last week we saw Serac in the simulated valley beyond with Mave last week, and I th- I just sort of wrote that off. Oh, well, maybe he has a technological way to do that. But we've also seen him hologram into a bunch of things, and he's the only one we've seen use this hologram technology. And I wonder if maybe it's not a hologram. Maybe he's in. A simulated world that we've been watching and and uh that's why he was able to go into the valley beyond and that's why he's able to appear and disappear from places everywhere you know yeah so
1: um karen and i had this disagreement last night because she said essentially the same thing maybe that maybe he is just a projection of the system at this point
2: yeah i'm wondering that of roboam
1: But if so, then the show has been deceiving us in what I would say is not a clever or fair way. (laughs) Because we've seen his sort of frustration and angry reactions from the locations he's projecting the hologram from. And I don't think that would really make sense in the scenario where... The projection is all he
2: is. In his plane up above?
1: Yeah, and in his office at um, at um, Delos when he was going through the whole thing with Charlotte. You know, we, we've we seen that a few times. Yeah. Like sort of the real guy reacting. So, okay, that could be an even further regression of the simulation, but I don't think that makes a lot of sense.
2: Well, what about when Bernard comes upon Ford in the bar listening to piano music or whatever he was doing is that not similar i don't th- it's not similar to me okay i um, that's a real question i don't i don't know
1: yeah because in the Sirac cases we see him projecting himself for a reason um like either he isn't in a location or he wants to do something without risking himself and i think that makes sense but I, I can't think of any reason they would then, you know, sort of jump back to the real guy being upset that his plan failed or something <laughs> didn't work. It, you know what? Yeah. What purpose I, would that
2: serve? I hear what you're saying. I still think it's and maybe you would just think it's not fair, but I think it's a possibility that he's kind of like Ford in that that when um, Bernard found him in the cradle and maybe he's kind of like a consciousness inside a simulated world but yeah, maybe they showed him in these situations that are kind of manipulative.
1: I mean, that I would know. make his showing up at Delos. That would make all that would make all that a simulation. Right. That, yeah. None of
2: that happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A couple other things. So Solomon says to Caleb, I, I just love the way he talks to him in this moment. He says, you're here in this moment, which means this is variant forty seven point one three six point x in which you both you subject u four five four dot one Nick Nichols comma Caleb and I are still viable there are still variables leading to slightly different outcomes, however, if this is indeed now, and we are indeed here <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: very, I like that's that very Westworld.
2: yeah and yeah. they they had sort of you know, given a hint to that explanation by saying that Caleb's brother, Jean mi was schizophrenic and that had bled over into Solomon. So it sounds very schizophrenic. It sounds like he's run a bunch of scenarios and he looks at all of them as if they're real parallel realities, just like this reality. They're all on the same level to him, but it could be, also mean that as he's talking to caleb they're in just another one of those projections a simulated projection
1: that's actually very dr manhattan that he's living all the outcomes
2: simultaneously (laughs) (laughs) it is but if that is what he's doing then it would make more sense that they were all simulated outcomes you know including the one that we're watching right now and then uh Caleb says, what happened to Francis? Is he here too? Solomon says, no, that is not the variation we're on. So he sees all the projections as the same as reality. But then my question is maybe what we're seeing is just another projection. And then the last thing is uh, we see the Serac pre-programmed hologram come up at the end in front of Dolores. And I think Caleb Saying, I wish I could be there for you, Jean-Mi, but the man I was no longer exists. So, at face value, this is just Dolores and Caleb seeing a recording that was intended to be shown far in the future after Sirach dies. But maybe, you know, Karen's right that he's already dead and we're just seeing a projection from Rehoboam this whole time. Yep. It, it could, be. could be. I don't know. It could be. We'll see. Hopefully we'll get a lot of answers to all this stuff next week and they'll move on to the next phase.
1: They did wrap up the first two seasons in the finale. So I hope they do this one too.
2: Absolutely. Me don't too. leave us hanging, please. Okay. Any notes?
1: Um, I've gone through most of those actually in the course of what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did love the billboard that said from lab to slab, <laughs> uh, which was the sort main. of, yeah, which was their version of farm to table, <laughs> um, but now it's like a plus, from lab to slab. Um, I I like the Impossible Burger, so we're essentially there already now. That doesn't. I like seem it like, too. Yeah, it doesn't seem like crazy future. Oh, um, more than I used to be. <laughs> Not a hundred percent, but pretty close. Yeah, and I think that's it.
2: I really liked that Caleb figured out who Dolores is and they didn't make that big of a deal out of it. He says, you know, they're on their horseback out in the, in the wide open. And he says, never been out this far. It's so empty. She says, it's perfect. Like home. And he goes like Westworld. You mean massacre? Did you kill all those people? I just like that. They kind of slid that in there. Yeah. It was a surprise. Neither of us mentioned this, but, Last week, the show made us think that Chalorus took Williams or injected something into Williams so that they could track him to the facility in Sonora, Mexico, which is where we thought he was. But now we see that Inner Journeys is in Marin across the bay. And uh, then we find out that Chalorus knew that they'd send Williams' blood to that lab
1: yeah, it turned out to be to infiltrate the system, the right? Computer it, data that would allow them to figure out the about the f- Sonora facility.
2: Yeah, but I he mean, wasn't
1: it, actually there.
2: He's not important. They didn't. He's right. only important in that they can find this place. Same thing with Bernard and William. I mean, I'm, I'm still not exactly clear. I think they decided to go to that facility because Martin Connells sent them on that track but last week it made it seem like he was, they were there to save William, but it turns out I don't think they even cared that he was there. They were just heck of a coincidence though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then last let's see. Um, I liked that whole scene with Dolores and Caleb on horseback and her saying, I lived in hell, but there was beauty in it, which mirrors her saying in season one, some people choose to see the ugliness in this world. I choose to see the beauty. That's one really cool thing that this show does. It just has echoes of itself all the time. And I think it does it really well. And, uh, I was just glad to see her on a horse. That was kind of (laughs) nice.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of callbacks to earlier things and echoes
2: and different sort of permutations of things. Yep. All right, that is it. We'll take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us.
0: Solomon crawls on the belly of God. Solomon
1: falls on his
2: face in the
1: with me. The
0: girl.
2: One quick news item this week, Westworld has been renewed for a fourth season on HBO. There's no information yet as far as I could see about when it will premiere. Of course, everything's kind of up in the air right now, but they've gotten the green light for a fourth season. The Hollywood Reporter says, quote, the renewal comes as little surprise as Westworld remains a key piece in HBO's scripted originals lineup. While season three returned down 1.7 million total viewers, including 901,000 linear versus 2.05 million of the latter in season two, the renewal per sources was part of joy and Nolan's larger payout as part of their nine figure overall deal. The duo signed with Amazon last year while the married showrunners will create new projects for Amazon. The deal included upfront payment for their services as showrunners on Westworld, for what sources say, could be up to season six. That's interesting. Is, I guess Amazon is that, that what I just read didn't totally make sense to me because I thought Amazon and HBO were two different things, but I don't know. Maybe there's some overall deal.
1: Well, and, and what I was saying was interesting was the season six part. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Can you keep this show going for three more seasons?
2: I would assume that if they think they can keep it up for three more seasons, then they have a pretty strong outline for how it's going to change over those seasons. You know, yeah,
1: it would have to definitely take some new
2: directions again. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it for the news. I mean, I'm glad that it's renewed for season four for sure, because it sure as hell ain't going to wrap up in one more episode. I wouldn't no. think so. No. Well,
1: that's cool. And it's still a great show for yeah. as much as, um, I know I've been less effusive in my praise of it this season, but it's still really good.
2: Yeah, I feel the same. Absolutely. All right, let's get in some listener feedback.
1: Okay, Grippy Bob Dobolino says, Constantly seems like the writers didn't know what to do once Dolores was out of Westworld. Confusing plot, imbalanced episodes, deity worship of Aaron Paul, which I still don't get. Her plan was actually as simple as pinky in the brain. Try to take over the world. <laughs> Unlike seasons one and two, where I was more un- untested with every episode season three fizzled and failed to deliver for me. Would have preferred Bruce Campbell <laughs> over Aaron Paul. Hashtag bring back Bruce Campbell. Um, that might not might be that as the best letter we've gotten this year. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah uh, Bianca vargas says what did i just watch removes glasses <laughs> <laughs> michael darwin doesn't look like anything to me <laughs> yeah there people were a little harsh on it this time tracy walker says it was good to get ga- get caleb's backstory although i think it was pretty much telegraphed what actually happened to francis it was but we didn't know the details but i i hear right. where you're coming from for sure yeah i don't like dolores and Mae fighting i need mommy and daddy to kiss and make up in general i'm finding this less interesting still than season one i enjoyed the psychology of why people behave the way they do and the awakening of the host i know me too i thought about that that's something we're really missing we're moving on to other themes I, I but i also appreciate when a show doesn't stick to the same theme for too long too like walking dead did for many years this season i have the same problem i have with a lot of science fiction and superhero stories there can always be another deus ex machina to save someone previously thought dead it's hard to really get attached to what happens to a character when they can just grow a new arm or get a new body.
1: I'm actually glad to see these fans um, who are unhappy with aspects of the show. Cause I always kind of feel like I'm killing the buzz <laughs> for people yeah. if we're critical about something, but um, it seems like a lot of the fans are feeling some of the same thing. Yeah. Steve Barr says, don't bring a knife to a drone fight.
2: <laughs> <laughs> on it well she brought a knife and a helicopter to be fair michael darwin again says mave gets beat again did her fight with Dolores serve any purpose i would like them to have a reason to fight beyond them needing to i'd say she came out on the upper hand there actually except for uh that whole emp thing at the end which yeah but she of- always yeah.
1: loses at the last moment <laughs>
2: Maeve's character was absolutely at her thinnest. This episode, Dolores plan is to have a human wipe out humanity because she's poetic. Solomon was kept up and running because question mark the series was, has a habit of pulling things together in the final episode. And that may change how we understand what we've seen so far. So I'm not giving up hope, but I have less faith than I did a week ago. On the good side, nice to see Clem and Hanarayo again. I'm guessing Maeve pulled in Hanarayo instead of Armistice because someone who looks Asian would better blend in when going after Musashi slash Dolores. And they took Musashi's head, so I'm betting we see another interrogation scene next week. Interesting. I'm also enticed by Shaloris clearly having enough of Dolores Prime's BS. Her own ambition will surely be as much a fly in the ointment as Dolores has been for Serac. We may be moving beyond a simple humans versus AI battle in season four. Also, the fact that William tells Bernard he's not Arnold means Bernard is totally Arnold. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I didn't quite think of that. (laughs) Lastly, some signage. I'm sure you noticed the from lab to slab sign in the final William scene. But did you see that as Caleb began to remember his real history, the graffiti on the buildings went from being Cyrillic to English? Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Yep. I assume that was all CG. Yeah. Jenny Quo. Hi, Jenny. I know her.
1: Yeah. Why did I not like the latest episode of why I did not like the latest episode of Westworld? The show has already had so many unbelievable elements and plot holes that you could do a pitch meeting for every single episode, but somehow the visuals and world building was cool enough to keep going with it. But this episode finally did the unexcusable. It had utterly predictable and ridiculous visuals and world building. The hot women in leather suits fighting, the sleeping bodies in a warehouse, Caleb suddenly becoming a princess. What's a princess? What I call the ordinary person discovered to be ultra special. The how like computer, the completely incomprehensible future affecting powers of it. The combination of all of the above with the complete seriousness of them just made it ridiculous. Like in the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where you find out the actress is in an action drama horror show about psychic veterinarians. This one was supposed to be a joke. Um,. This was so bad. It was like if eighth graders were given $5 million to make an episode. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't like it. (laughs) You you think she didn't like it?
2: I told her if I was going to include this, that she would have to promise to listen to the podcast because I thought maybe she might um, appreciate the depth that we bring to this show. So we'll see what happens.
1: (laughs) Or at least she has to take her medicine one hour and 45 minutes worth. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Right, exactly Lindsay Schlick says Hi Jason and David For me this episode was a lot of boring bookended by great scenes I love the opening scene in the restaurant Then we end up in a repeating flashbacks of Caleb That were interesting in the final reveal But were annoying to me on repeat for half the episode Yeah, I can see that The storyline with the man in black also isn't doing it for me The idea that his awful character could be redeemed and save humanity Is repulsive and absolutely has me rooting for Dolores The all-knowing supercomputer brain revealing everything was weak storytelling for me and took way too long. It started to pick back up for me with the reveal of the thousands of sleeping outliers. I really like that, too. Possible rebel army for Caleb and Dolores. Dolores and Maeve kicking ass to close out the episode was fantastic, and it looks like we get more of the same next week. I'm still confused on one point. Last week, I thought it was Dolores who blew up Charlotte's family. Everyone said, no, it was Serac's men. If this is true, why did Charlotte call Sato Dolores? Why did she ask if he was surprised and stated Dolores Prime wanted them all dead? And why does it seem she was working with Clementine and Samurai World Armistice and therefore Maeve? What am I missing? Can't believe next week is the finale. Yeah, I think either she thinks that Dolores did that hit and maybe she did or maybe she didn't. Or as I was saying earlier in the episode, maybe she's just upset that she's s- feels like she's just considered collateral damage in Dolores's war. Where Dolores will put her in a position where Sir Oxman will kill her family.
1: I'm just going to say it. I think Lindsay is right. And we were wrong.
2: <laughs> it could be. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, and James Aducci says I was very impressed with David's callback to Dagger of the Mind last week thank you I'm glad somebody was that was serious nerding out so appreciate that
2: then we have a call from Steve Brown no we don't have a call from Steve Brown Steve what what happened
1: man? he spent his call with us on uh, Saturday or whenever that was <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: All right, that is our show. Thank you for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. If you want to write in or record a message and send it in, you can email us at westworld@podcastica.com. At
1: we also put up a post for each week's episode on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash housepodcastica.
2: And be sure to check out the other podcasts at podcastica.com. Right now, that's just Walking Dead cast, but... I think there might be some things coming from strange indeed soon. I heard Rima talking about it next episode of this podcast, Westworld season three, episode eight crisis theory. And also I put up a post on our Facebook page asking what you guys would like house Podcastica to cover next. A few of you said Ozark, which I've actually been getting into lately. So that's a possibility. But if you have any other thoughts, you know if you have thoughts about that show or any others you think house podcastica should cover let us know you can send that you can comment on facebook or send an email it to us all right that's our show thanks for listening what happened to karen is she coming on next week
1: no that is not the variation we're on